Welcome to the Physio Mentor Program, a program designed for physiotherapy private practice owners wanting and needing to outsource the training of graduates within their business. Our mission is to create private practices that you would have wanted to start a career in. So first of all, I think we better um, discuss what are some symptoms or how do we recognise burnout, especially in our team, if we think, ooh, when, how do I recognise it and when do I intervene, I suppose, and, and do something about it? Hmm. Yeah. So what I'll do is I'll just share my screen and share this um, slide here for those people who are watching, but you'll be able to hear me if you're listening to the audio. So I'm going to go through the phases of burnout. And the first one is really where we want to be and where we want to stay. And so I want to really encourage everybody to know that this is possible. So number one is the honeymoon phase. And it's interesting that it's called that because you could compare this to a relationship as well as um, work or business. So when we undertake a new task, we often start by experiencing high job satisfaction, commitment, energy, and creativity. And this is especially true of a new job role or the beginnings of a business venture. So it's something we wanted to do. So it might be when people first start their physiotherapy degree. It's what they want to do. They're excited about it and they've got that enthusiasm. Or when they start their first job, they're really grateful that they got the job and they come in with great enthusiasm. In this first phase of burnout, you may begin to experience predicted stresses of the initiative that you're undertaking. So it's important to start implementing positive coping strategies such as taking practical steps to support your well-being alongside your professional ventures. So it's this stage right at the beginning that we want to make sure that we have balance so that that enthusiasm for this new venture doesn't mean that we become all or nothing. That takes me back to that personality type that I'm talking about that I certainly am. I have an all or nothing personality. And if you think about getting through a physiotherapy degree or a medical degree, my eldest daughter is fourth year medicine, you kind of need that all or nothing personality because otherwise you're not going to actually have that willpower to stick at it. You would give up. So when we have an all or nothing pers personality, we need to make sure that we can be all or nothing in both when we're at work and when we're at home so that we can become present when we actually stop working and switch off so that we don't continue to think about it and we're just too all or nothing about one thing and often that thing will be where we feel like we get the most validation which can be our career mm. um, so the theory is that if we create good coping strategies at this stage we can continue in the honeymoon phase indefinitely so I'd love to set that goal for you all is that you find your way back into the honeymoon phase if you're not there. And if you are there, that you learn how to stay there. So these are the symptoms of the honeymoon phase. Commitment to the job at hand, free-flowing creativity, high productivity levels, job satisfaction, readily accepting responsibility, sustained energy levels, I would actually highlight that one, and unbridled optimism. So that brings a smile to your face, Mel, because you can remember that and you probably still have moments of that. Yeah, and also I see this in a lot of graduates that start in private practice. Probably in their first six months, I think they're still in the honeymoon phase. 
Yeah. So I'm interested to hear where you go to next because I do see a shift and a change in them after six months. Yeah, great. You will identify exactly what's occurring over the over the next six months. So this is what happens next if we don't have this awareness of how to actually stay in the honeymoon phase. So the second phase is the onset of stress. And it becomes, it begins with an awareness of some days being more difficult than others. And you might find your optimism waning. So this is really about our focus. So if we realise how important our focus is and how much attention we give to something, we realise the power that we have over how our life changes. So you can be loving your job for the first six months, like you've mentioned, and then a few stressful things happen and you start to pay attention to them and it starts to become your inner dialogue and it starts you to call, cause you to feel negative emotions, which then reinforces the negative dialogue. And then suddenly you're in the loop of focusing, what you, focusing on what you don't like about your career compared to what you do like. So that's really important to be able to capture that and catch it in the moment rather than letting it spiral. I remember when I worked in private practice for someone for the first seven years as a new graduate before I started my own business, and we were downstairs from um, the surgeons and the receptionists in the, surgeon, in the surgery upstairs, one of them separated from their husband and they all used to have coffee together and one by one they left their husbands because they were all talking about, you know, what was wrong with their husbands and it's just contagious you know like you really need to focus on things that are positive and it can apply to anything and so some of the symptoms that you will experience and if you are listening to this I'd love you to be writing down any of these that you can relate to because awareness is really important anxiety anxiety is worry anxiety is that fluttering in your stomach or the tightness in your neck or wherever you feel the symptoms of anxiety caused by you thinking about negative case scenario. So we're future projecting what we don't want to happen. Avoidance of decision-making, change in appetite or diet, fatigue, forgetfulness, general neglect of personal needs, grinding your teeth at night. This was a very big one for me. So physios will always go straight to the physical thing, but this is definitely a, a burnout stage two stress symptom. Um, headaches were big for me as well. Heart palpitations, I had that too. High blood pressure, inability to focus. We're seeing a lot of that um, with the younger generation, finding it difficult to focus. Irritability job dissatisfaction, lack of sleep or reduced sleep quality, lack of social interaction, lower productivity or unusual heart rhythms. So you may only have one or two of these. Um, hopefully you don't have all of them, um, but it's just really important to recognise if you are starting to get those. Mm. Yeah, there's some pretty strong um, symptoms there. Yeah, exactly. And so you might only have a couple of them, um, but it's important to realise that they are reversible and they are caused by stress. Mm. That's what I was interested when I heard your last podcast, and I'm sure you're alluding to it, is the fact that some people feel perhaps when they're burnt out that they're always going to be burnt out, no matter what job they go to, that's just their label. And I was interested when I heard your last podcast to say, you know, no, there's things you can change that you can get back to the honeymoon phase. And that was really important because it's not a permanent thing, is it? It's, it's something that's modifiable. 
Absolutely. I think that that's the problem sometimes with medical diagnosis. You know, as physiotherapists, we are diagnosing. But if we label something, sometimes it can feel permanent, um, particularly when we get further down and we start to use words like depression. Um, I would say that six years ago, I was highly strung and I thought that's just the way I was. And I thought it was the way I always would be. I'd been like it for 47 years. Um, I probably wasn't like it, you know, from zero to five. I think I started to be like it when I started school because I craved positive feedback so much. I liked being the top of the class. And if the teacher ever gave me feedback that felt like criticism, I took it personally. So I think that I became more and more stressed from school onwards, which I don't blame on anyone. I think that it's just the personality type that I that I have, which I think is really common um, in high level, you know, professional um, careers. So number three, the third phase of burnout is chronic stress. So this is when you haven't done anything about stage two and it starts to become chronic. And this is when you start to think that it's normal because it's not a new lot of symptoms to you. And so it becomes familiar. Um, you will relate to this as physiotherapists because you deal with a lot of people with chronic pain. There is not a very big gap between chronic stress and chronic pain. So if you're a physiotherapist who also has chronic pain, it means you were in chronic stress for too long and it developed into chronic pain. So this is a marked change in your stress levels going from motivation to experiencing stress on an incredibly frequent basis. You may also experience more intense symptoms than those of stage two. So sometimes anger or aggressive behavior. So you might find that that is out of character for you, or if you've been in the stage for a while, you might realize that it's becoming more common. So I want you to not be hard on yourself about this and realize where this is coming from. Equally, I want you to be aware that if you live with somebody who has these symptoms, that maybe it's related to chronic stress, rather than you just feeling like it's become part of their personality. Apathy is another way that we can go. Chronic exhaustion starting to have a cynical attitude, decreased sexual desire, denial of problems at work or at home. I quite often see this, that people are just in complete denial that there is a problem, feeling threatened or panicked, feeling pressured or out of control. Um, I started to have panic attacks um, when I was at the height of my um, burnout um, and I couldn't explain them. And I felt like a failure and embarrassed about them, so I didn't really tell anybody about them. Increased alcohol or drug consumption. So I'd really love you to be honest about yourself and reflect on whether you're now turning to alcohol to relax you or any other form of recreational drugs or any drugs at all. Increased caffeine consumption. Um, I run Soul Pleaser retreats twice a year, and the one that I ran in March, I get people to give up coffee two weeks before the retreat because we are very clean over the retreat and a lot of people have said to me that many of their symptoms have gone away as a result of not going back onto the caffeine that there is just this vicious cycle of feeling anxious or feeling exhausted and then pepping ourselves up with caffeine which is completely increasing the anxiety and then we just get on that treadmill of caffeine exhausted anxious caffeine you know we can't get off it lack of hobbies um this was a turning point for me in 2016 my hub husband said to me you need a hobby and I just laughed at him like 
what do you mean? <laughs> when would I have time to have a hobby? Just didn't see the value in a hobby. Um, I realise now looking back that everything was about achievement. So unless there was some achievement that I was going to get from the hobby, I didn't understand why you would have one. So if you are that extreme like I was, I would really recommend that you check in with that and, and find a hobby that you love just for the sake of loving it. Missed work deadlines or targets, persistence, tiredness in the morning. A lot of my clients say that they just wake up tired, even if they've slept all night. Physical illness. I have clients that have unexplained physical illnesses or they'll catch the common cold and it hangs around for a long time. They don't have that resistance anymore to fight it. Procrastination, whether it's at work or at home. Repeated lateness for work. Resentfulness is a big one. You start to resent the people around you, whether it be at work or at home. Socially withdrawing from friends and or family. It's important for you to notice this in other people if it's not within you as well. Um, and uptake of escapist activities like scrolling social media for hours on end, mm -hmm. just trying to escape because you just don't want to think about it anymore because it's becoming all too hard. So this is a severe place to be. So it's really important for you to do something about it if you're at this stage here. Yeah, that's interesting. It's funny, um, you know, when you're talking about hobbies and things, because sometimes when you're in that stage, I know as a business owner, when you go, go, go all the time and there's a to-do list a mile long, you take two things off and five things go back on there. And it's sometimes to have that downtime, you almost feel guilty um, and you almost feel like you can't turn off. You can't sit down and watch a movie. You can't, yeah, have a hobby or anything because you're like, oh, I could be doing so many other things in that time. So it's hard to turn the mind off as well. It is. It is. It's, it's basically you've created the habit of always being turned on. And so whether you're working or not, even if your body looks like it's on the couch in front of the TV, you're still switched on. You're still in the fight or flight response, which means you're still pumping the cortisol around your body, even though from an outsider looking in, you're potentially relaxing, but you're not. Mm. And so this is why it doesn't really matter how many hours you're actually working. It's how many hours you're switched on. And that's why we need to learn how to switch off. And, you know, in 2016, I never switched off. I fell asleep out of exhaustion. If there was a slight noise, so my kids were still at the age then that sometimes they would, you know, come in for whatever reason, or my husband would make a noise or something, that was it. I'd be awake for hours back thinking again. So exhaustion got me to sleep, but it couldn't keep me asleep. And so it wasn't good quality sleep. And then I would wake up and I was back on again. And it's just not enough. It's not enough downtime for our minds to have that break. Stage four is burnout. So you go from the honeymoon phase to the onset of stress to chronic stress. If you stay in chronic stress, you will end up burnout, in burnout. And this is where the symptoms become critical. And so for some people, this is where you will have your breakdown and it will be a good thing. When I reflect back on 2016 and I finally recognised I was burnout and had my breakdown, it forced me to rest. But I would love you all to avoid that and to be able to implement these tools before you end up in burnout. And what it says here for the burnout stage is so true. Continuing as normal becomes impossible. 
because it's just so difficult to cope. Um, and we just all have our own unique levels of tolerance. I think I was tolerating burnout for, I don't know, six or seven years. So a very high level of tolerance, which physiotherapists will have because we're high achievers. So we will stick in the chronic stress stage for a very long time before we hit burnout, which is why I'd love you to avoid it. So behavioural changes, chronic headaches, chronic stomach or bowel problems. How many of the younger generation have gut problems now? So mm. many. My, my oldest daughter does, who's fourth year medicine, and it's stress. It's, it's so stress-related. We can do great things with food, et cetera, but there is a huge stress component. Complete neglect of personal needs. Again, you might only have one of these and not all of them. Continuation or increase of escapist activities. Desire to drop out of society. Desire to move away from work or friends or family. Development of an escapist mentality. Feeling empty inside. This is quite common. Starting to lose that feeling of purpose in life. Obsession over problems at work or in life is a big one pessimistic outlook on work and life, physical symptoms intensify, increase self-doubt and social isolation. So these are really important things to notice and you want to act very quickly if you're in burnout. Mm. Yeah, very serious. Yeah. And then step five, um, phase five is habitual burnout. So the final stage of burnout, this means that the symptoms of burnout are so embedded in your life that you're likely to experience a significant ongoing mental, physical or emotional problem as opposed to occasionally experiencing stress or burnout. The common symptoms are burnout syndrome, chronic mental fatigue, chronic physical fatigue, chronic sadness and depression. If you identify stage five, I would seek medical medical intervention. Mm -hmm. um, anything else, um, everything that we're going to discuss here is going to be really helpful. Mm -hmm.